This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Tuesday night, December the 17th. Time once again for Tide Talk right here on the Built by Bama online podcast. I'm Travis Ryer, joined as always by BOL beat reporter, team insider, Charlie Potter, as we creep closer and closer to the Christmas holiday. Charlie, we talked about this a little bit in some previous podcasts. You're more of a uh, get-it-done type when it comes to the Christmas shopping, so I'm I'm guessing everything is safely under the Potter tree, wrapped, bowed, ready to go for the big day, just one week from tomorrow. Of course, most college football fans excited as much about tomorrow being the early signing date for the 2020 college football recruiting cycle as they are Christmas Day. But uh, so I'm guessing, Charlie, you're in a lot better shape, though, when it comes to the uh, the whole Christmas thing than I am. I'm in better shape than I was last week. Um, like I said, it's, it's no fault of my own. I like to get things done early. And, uh, you know, I I like for the Christmas tree to look like a Christmas tree. You know, I like for there to be presents under it and and not just look, you know, like it was out of a a depressing magazine with no gifts. So (laughs) it's it's better shape than it was last week. I'm still not done because um, there's still certain people that are just like. You know, I don't know what I want, so they'll they'll get money or something. That'll that's get what it'll come down to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little Longhorn or something. You know, throw that throw that at them. But uh, you, you know that depressing Christmas tree you just <laughs> described. I'm about 50 feet away from it because it is in fact in Casa de Ryer. Once all the kids sort of get grown, Charlie, um, really all the only the only sort of person i guess you could say in the entire house that looks forward to the christmas tree is the pomeranian uh king Fu. he likes the christmas tree uh but but other than that man it's pretty pitiful that tree out there right now no presents under it charlie uh it, it is it is in fact uh kind of depressing but not depressing is the fact that the alabama crimson tide has returned to the practice field maybe a little bit depressing in that for the first time in a long time, well, in the existence of the college football playoff, Alabama preparing for postseason play that doesn't involve a championship of some kind. Uh, but here we are, Alabama back on the practice field on Monday. Charlie, we were both out there for the media viewing periods. Uh, you were there for Nick Saban's post-practice press conference. When we went out there, what was your expectation in terms of draft eligibles possibly deciding to sit out the bowl process altogether. And based on what we saw and what we heard from Nick Saban post-practice, how did that sort of all come together based on maybe some preconceived notions or some information that we had heard or sort of anticipated going into Monday's practice? Yeah, I didn't think we were going to walk out there and just, you know, see a barren cabinet. I I thought – a lot of these juniors were going to play. And, and to me, um, you know, I, I hadn't heard to the contrary or anything like that, but 
um, you know, when you're sitting there on Friday night, I think it's about 8.50, and you get a, a tweet or a Twitter notification <clears throat> from Jerry Judy saying that he's going to play in the bowl game, you got to think that who is probably Alabama's highest-ranked draft prospect at the moment, and that's, of course, after Tua's injury, that if that guy's going to play in the game, then most of the juniors and most of the draft-eligible players are going to play in the game. And so on top of what we had been hearing and everything like that, you, you kind of had the, the idea that you were only going to go out there and see a handful of guys missing uh, for that reason. Um, you, always, you obviously had the guys that um, were dealing with injuries beforehand, you had some guys doing some things uh, after the Iron Bowl and um, uh, injury-wise, so that was a different story. But you know, we went out there and um, you know, it had a good feeling Terrell Lewis wasn't going to be out there. And uh, he and Trayvon Diggs were the only two players uh, from a draft eligibility standpoint that weren't at practice number one or number two. And um, you know, Nick Saban said that those guys made the choice not to play in the game. And look, I don't blame them. I know you know people have their opinions and things like that. But those are a couple of guys that have dealt with uh, injuries in their career. Uh, Terrell Lewis, maybe more than anybody. Um, you know, Trayvon Diggs is a guy that missed most of the season last year with a foot injury. And had it not been for that foot injury, when I talked to him before the season for uh, a longer feature, sitting down one-on-one, he said that uh, he considered going pro last year. And so, you know, after talking with his family, he made the decision to come back. So those are a couple of guys that I think have, ha- have had their eyes on the NFL for a while now and having gone through some injury situations and both being four year players, they decided they didn't want to risk it anymore and to, you know, go ahead and and hang it up. It is interesting though, to see, you know, we, we know what happened Monday, but then you, you see on Tuesday that Terrell Lewis accepted an invitation to play in the senior bowl. So, um, you know, maybe he's looking to improve his stock a little bit. Maybe he's going to go down there and just do the interview portion and go through some drills. Who knows? But, um, Right now, though, those are the only two that are going to sit out um, by choice. And uh, I think for Alabama, that's that's a really good thing. You have a lot of these talented juniors, especially in the offensive side of the ball, they're going to play in the game, and uh, that can only make your team better when that's the case. Yeah, when you look at it from a best-case scenario to a worst-case scenario, I think it was as close to a best-case scenario as you probably realistically could have hoped for. If you're an Alabama fan, Um, you know, adding to the concern defensively, right, DJ Dale, who we haven't seen, I guess, either of the first two days of bowl prep. Nick Saban in his post-practice comments on Monday pointed to a kind of a extenuating issue that he's had uh, with one of those knees, I guess, and uh, one of those situations he's dealing with. that makes it a bit problematic when you're talking about at each of the three levels going into this game against Michigan without a, a starter of some type. You know, DJ DJ obviously had issues throughout the season from an injury perspective, but um, you know, talk about let's talk about how that sort of plays out now. Is Josh Job up at corner? What about at outside linebacker? You know, what happens? Do we see a continuation of sort of the rotation and mix we saw? Uh, down the stretch of the season in the regular season with the Auburn game, maybe Western Carolina too. Uh, we need to fill in some blanks, I guess, on the defensive side of the ball, Charlie. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because it, it doesn't sound like DJ Dell's going to play. Um, you know, you're at day one of, of bowl prep, and Nick Saban already called him doubtful, and um, yeah, that's kind of concerning because that's a knee injury sustained, I believe, in the Mississippi State game and missed the Western Carolina game in the the Iron Bowl. So. 
Um, you hope he recovers, but that sounds like that's a very nagging injury. But, but you look at it, and from Alabama's projective defensive starting lineup, just in his base defense, uh, from the beginning of the season, only five players are left from that group. So yeah. that would be Raekwon Davis, Anthony Jennings, Xavier McKinney, Jared Maiden, and Patrick Sertan. And so they've had to, you know, play with a lot of new faces all season long. But you add two more to that mix with Terrell Lewis and Trayvon Diggs not playing, and and as well as DJ Dell. And uh, you're gonna have to have some young guys step up. I think we've seen what Alabama can do uh, up front. A guy like Fidarian Mathis can see some more reps. You can see Tabita Musica in some some run uh, situations. Uh, Christian Barmer will get some more run as well. Um, so you know we've we've seen what they can do there. But from the next two levels, um, yeah, I think Chris Allen is a guy that they could see some um, some more reps, even though he kind of plays a similar position as, as Anthony Jennings. And uh, yeah, maybe it's time for a guy like Ben Davis. Um, you know, I say that with a smile on my face, but with how many uh, players they've had go down at the inside linebacker position and now without Terrell Lewis, it could very well be an opportunity where Ben Davis sees some more reps. Maybe a guy like Keem Makuta. Uh, who knows? I think they go a variety of different ways at the outside linebacker position. And more likely than not, they're going to be in some nickel and, and dime situations. So they might not have to worry about that as much. You're going to see a lot of number 33 out there. But from a secondary perspective, I think it's Josh Job. Um, mm-hmm. He's their most experienced corner. Uh, he's a guy that kind of entered the season in this conversation to be a starter. And, uh, you know, he can play opposite of Sertan and keep Shaheem Carter uh, in the slot. And, uh, you know, he's been kind of the, the first guy behind Sertan in practice. So that one, uh, to me, is the most no-brainer. But, uh, yeah, they're going to be without uh, a lot of guys from the start of the season they thought they would have uh, in this bowl game for sure. Something else we'll get into as we get a little bit later in, in this edition of Tide Talk uh, in relation to these early enrollees for this 2020 recruiting class. So if you are one of these outside linebackers that is getting an opportunity in the absence of Terrell Lewis, or you are Josh Job or one of these corners that's getting an opportunity, now would be a good time to take well advantage of it. Because when you talk about inside linebackers that are about to join this program uh, of the five-star and four-star variety, they are on the way. Uh, here in the next couple weeks uh, as early enrollees, and we'll sort of run through those positions later. Same thing with corner. You've got a junior college transfer coming in mid-year in Ronald Williams, one of the most recent commitments to the 2020 class for Alabama. So it's not just about the immediate future and trying to help this defense uh, play at a high level against Michigan. It's also your big picture prospects if you're some of these next guys up that you want to try to go ahead uh, and and solidify as best you can. Charlie, um, there's been some interest. I know on Tuesday over there at the Hank Crisp indoor facility, uh, we saw some, some interesting folks, I guess you could say from an injury perspective, you know, that haven't been around uh, for much or all of this season, really, when you talk about Josh McMillan, LeBron Ray, but um well, talk about the, their presence of those guys. Um, has it increased as we've moved later in the season, Charlie? You seeing more of those guys? Uh, and what exactly has their involvement been, if any? I know Trey Sanders among that group, too. Yeah, we have seen some uh, familiar faces that haven't been out there in a while. Um, you know, Monday, the, the two that stood out to me were, were Trey Sanders and uh, Miller Forstall. We had seen Trey Sanders – 
uh, do some work off to the side with a trainer uh, before the Iron Bowl. But, you know, on Monday he was actually going through drills with the rest of the running backs, albeit he had a, a black no-contact jersey on. He's been moving well. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good sign for a guy that hurt his foot uh, before the season started. He's kind of in that same boat with the Dylan Moses and uh, Josh McMillan sur- suffering injuries before uh, the first game. But he's a guy that's been moving well. Um, you know, I made it a point to ask Nick Saban about both Sanders and Forrestal being back on the field and their availability for this game. And uh, I wouldn't expect Trey Sanders to play uh, against Michigan. He could play in that game and still be a redshirt freshman next year. Uh, but it sounds like they're just, you know, getting him reps and uh, just continuing his rehab process. But as for Forrestal, he was, you know, back in the front of the tight end line. He had his neck wrapped up a little bit because he had that voice box surgery. But uh, it's good to see him back on the field because that is kind of a – a foreign and, and scary injury because that anything that deals with your breathing, being an athlete, that's always a cause for concern. But they were out there day one. And then today being Tuesday, um, you know, we kind of sit in this little hallway before we go into the indoor practice facility. And, um, you know, the team kind of comes from the locker room and goes through this other hallway, through the weight room, into the indoor facility. And you can kind of get a glimpse of everybody as they go through. And you and I both saw LeBron Ray, and Josh McMillan, both who appeared to be fully dressed out, although they were both wearing black no-contact jerseys. And um, once we went into the indoor facility, though, they were neither one out there. We actually saw LeBron Ray leave via a different door and walk right in front of us uh, as he exited uh, practice. But they didn't do anything during the two media viewing periods. We haven't seen them do anything. Um, They're guys that have kind of been in the – in the uh, weight room, lifting weights or, you know, riding stationary bikes or things like that. So this is kind of a new development is seeing them actually dressed out and, and looking to be doing something. Now, if it's, if I had to guess, which I, I don't know at the moment, it would probably be what we saw Trey Sanders do before the iron bowl, just doing stuff off to the side with guys like Jeff Allen and other trainers. So I wouldn't get my hopes up just yet. But it is a good sign just for their recovery process because LeBron Ray is going to be a guy that's back next year. Uh, Josh McMillan is um, you know, putting in a waiver for a, a six-year of eligibility after missing uh, his fifth year, what would be his you know, first chance of the starting role. So um, it's good to see them back. But as of right now, I, I wouldn't expect them to play in the bowl game. That could change, but you know, we'll just hold our breath on that. Yeah, I think it's important, as you just did so well, to properly – sort of categorize guys in terms of their prospects with Sanders, with Ray, with McMillan. If you're an Alabama fan right now, think about it in really optimistic terms for 2020. This is all good stuff for 2020. Don't put a lot of stock into it, meaning much, if anything at all, where the bowl game is concerned. Um, but offensively, and you talked about Miller Forrestall being back out there and, and appearing to be full go and available uh, for this offense, uh, sort of to the other side of the spectrum from the defense, you know, really for the first time since the Arkansas game, when you take Tua out of the equation, obviously, mm-hmm. Alabama everywhere else is going to have a full cast of characters when you talk about starters you're going to have that offensive line together you're going to have Miller Forrest all it looks like at tight end Najee Harris is going to play in the game apparently all those wide receivers are going to be together 
hey, if you're Mac Jones, this is an even better setup for you, potentially, um, than you had going on the road at Auburn a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be as close to full force as they can be. Now, a guy like Devontae Smith has looked limited. He's a guy that uh, got banged up in the Iron Bowl. He looked like he he's some I, I can't remember exactly what it was, and it was never disclosed because um, I don't know if any of y'all have ever been in the, the post-game situation at Jordan Hare, but it's a nightmare. So trying to get a question to Nick Saban in that room uh, is impossible. Uh, but it, there's there's been no definitive update on Smitty, but he's the guy that's been limited both days, um, just like Christian Harris at, at inside linebacker. But outside of Devontae, Everybody else has been moving really well. Um, you know, a guy like Brian Robinson looked to be moving kind of sluggishly on Monday. He was moving, moving well, moving well, moving well. But everybody at running back, you have everybody at tight end, you have all your receivers, your offensive line is intact. And, and Mac Jones played well as a starter. I know he threw the two pick sixes at Auburn, but uh, everything else has been um, top notch. And for this, and we've, you've talked about it, I've talked about it, we've talked about it before on the podcast, this is kind of, they're, they're hoping this bowl game will be a springboard for next season. And if you're a guy like Mac Jones, uh, you have a stud coming in uh, as a five-star early enrollee. If you can go out in this bowl game and and uh, perform well again, you're, you're going to continue to do yourself favors when it comes to this quarterback competition coming up in the spring. And uh, having that full cast of characters around you I can only help you in that regard. No doubt about it. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot in the coming weeks. This is kind of the first phase of this whole draft eligible process, finding out exactly first and foremost, who's going to participate in the bowl game. We feel like we have our hands around that uh, pretty well a couple of days into bowl prep on campus. Uh, But there's still going to be an other side of the bowl game where you're still going to have decisions to be made by guys uh, with eligibility remaining. Uh, you're also going to have perhaps some attrition where it comes to the transfer portal. And speaking of which, one of those guys, Scooby Carter, you know, in the last couple of weeks has been bandied about as a transfer portal candidate. And then word uh, got out that, that actually he wasn't going to take that path and leave Alabama. Uh, but then again, the first two days of bowl prep, I don't think either one of us have uh, have seen Scooby Carter at practice to this point, right? No, we haven't. And, you know, Monday we looked at the scholarship corners, which you would assume he would be there, uh, and he wasn't. And Tuesday we made sure to look at both scholarship and walk-ons, and I didn't see him in either line. And, yeah, he is expected to return to Alabama. Um, you know, we reported that. Uh, other outlets have reported that. Uh, but he still remains in the transfer portal at this at this point in time, and he hasn't been in practice. And yeah, I wouldn't take it as you know the the reporting is false at this point. Um, you know, this is a situation where he obviously wasn't happy with his situation, and he entered the portal after the Mississippi State game, which is a game he was suspended for for missing class. Uh, but it, this also might be a situation where. You know, Nick Saban, is, it's almost a little bit of punishment. This is just me speculating. This isn't a fact or anything. But um, you're looking at a guy that as soon as he was punished for missing classes, entered his name in the transfer portal, and he chooses to come back. I don't know, you know how quickly Nick Saban would be like, okay, well, you can you know suit up and potentially play uh, on special teams or, or late in the game against Michigan. That doesn't seem very Nick Saban-like. So um, 
We'll continue to monitor it. Um, I think he's still on pace to return to the team next season, but it doesn't look like at the moment, at least, he's in the plans for the postseason. It is Tide Talk on a Tuesday night. Uh, Coming up next, sort of in relation to that topic, we're going to point to some areas of this program, this football team, that could be instantly impacted by some guys that sign on the dotted line Wednesday and make their way to campus uh, for the start of the uh, the spring semester and with that spring practice in March and April. And we're going to do that right now. So Charlie, when we look at some of these areas of this team and we can, we can start right there in the secondary because you're going to lose Trayvon Diggs. You're going to lose Shaheem Carter. You're going to return Patrick Sertan. Uh, you expect Josh Job uh, to take a step forward. But I think it's interesting that Alabama, still with the last two classes being fairly full of defensive back prospects, is still taking the junior college path with Ronald Williams coming in from Hutchinson Community College there in Kansas. And we talk about, you know, the situation with Scooby Carter, but I think it's also a message to the rest of those young corners, too, that, look, we would love for you guys to come along and get to a point where you can do what we need you to do in your second or third year in the program. But if that's not the feeling that we're getting, we're not afraid to go to the junior college ranks and try to plug and play with a guy like Ronald Williams. I got to think there's extra urgency from guys like Josh Job uh, and, and the other younger corners, uh, Brandon Turnage, Marcus Banks, uh, Jaden Armour Davis, uh, Jalen Armour Davis, guys like this, Charlie, that, you know, are, are looking as if they're next in line, but uh, I don't think the staff's going to necessarily wait around for them to, to kind of get there either. No, you're right. And uh, that was what the uh, addition of Ronald Williams told me. And, um, you know, this is a secondary that's going to have a lot of opportunities, whether it's at corner or at safety, because Jared Maiden is a senior. Uh, Xavier McKinney is a guy that's going to be having to make a decision and yeah. could choose to, to leave early. And, you know, those are big holes to fill. Um, you know, I know a lot of people aren't happy with how Trayvon Diggs played uh, in the latter portions of the season. But I think before that, uh, he was out in the hell of a season. And that's why he's ended up on some of these All-American teams. Um, Shaheem Carter is a guy that's been in this program and knows this defense like the back of his hand. So um, they're losing experience. And I think they want to, you know, add some experience to because that's going to be a a really young group led by Patrick Sertan. So I think adding Ronald Williams, you could realistically put him and Job on the boundary and move Sertan into star because he's a guy that's yeah. played in uh, inside some. Mm-hmm. And they can be flexible too. And, and also, you know, Nick Saban on Monday, um, he was asked if any of the early enrollees were going to be expected to participate in bowl practice. And of course he can't comment on that yet because none of them had signed, but he hinted that someone was going to be uh, on campus later in the week. And that someone is going to be uh, Jaquez Robinson, the corner from Florida. So you know, he's going to sign tomorrow and he should be on campus later in the week and going through some of these practices before Alabama gets out of town and goes to Orlando. So that's, that's another guy. They're going to have a lot of talented young players coming in uh, in the secondary a guy like Malachi Moore, I think can play, um, at corner or at safety, and he's an early enrollee. So, yeah, I think the secondary for sure is one of those places uh, where some of these guys that are going to be getting on campus soon uh, could play a factor. 
Yeah, you're right about uh, you're right about safety too, man. Pending the decision by Xavier McKinney, uh, boy, you talk about Jordan Battle needing to to mm-hmm. take another step potentially. And uh, you're right, Malachi Moore coming in from Hewitt Trustville High School over in the Birmingham area. Um, and then you've got some guys that won't be here until the summer. Uh, I think you're talking about Brian Branch being one of those type of guys. Uh, that can can impact things perhaps there at the safety position. So it could end up being secondary wide where they're looking for help. And uh, you're right, need to get a little older, a little quicker than you typically would like. And that's what leads to going the junior college route as much as anything uh, on occasion there. It is Tide Talk on a Tuesday night. I'm Travis Ryer. He is Charlie Potter. It is a part of the Built by Bama online podcast. We certainly hope if you haven't already, you'll subscribe to the Built by Bama online podcast there on iTunes. Perhaps leave us a five-star rating if you don't mind, maybe a nice comment or two. That certainly helps the old algorithm from what I'm told. I, I have no idea what an algorithm really is. I'm just told um, <laughs> that it that it helps uh, from that perspective. But when we look at other areas of this team, Charlie, in which early enrollees uh, could make a big impact, it, it's hard not to look at outside linebacker. It's hard not to look at outside linebacker right now and think that one, one or a couple of these early enrollees might not already be in the mix uh, if they were eligible to play against Michigan, because you're talking about five stars like Chris Braswell, Andrew Sanders. There's a four star coming in early and Will Anderson, who I'm convinced is every bit the potential star as Braswell and Sanders are uh, outside linebacker. Right. Without a doubt would seem to be a place where, you know, this team could use a lot of help on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, inside linebacker as well. And there's a couple of early guys coming in there, too. Yeah, I mean, this linebacker class is just outstanding, and you're right. I think they would love to have a Braswell or a Sanders or an Anderson uh, for this game just because of, um, you know, Terrell Lewis not being able to suit up or choosing not to suit up, I should say. But, yeah, this is a this is just a stellar class. You could tell that it was a top priority for Alabama just to add to his linebacking core, and, um, you know, there are guys that – aren't going to be enrolling early that I think could have an impact as well. Guys like Wondarius Robinson from Jackson Nolan, uh, another in-state kid, and Jackson Bratton up in Muscle Shoals. Uh, and then I know a, a player that a lot of fans have been worried about a little bit is Des Moines Kennedy from Theodore. Uh, he's kind of flirted with LSU a little bit. I think he'll end up sticking with Alabama, but he's a guy that, as an inside linebacker, um, you know, he's he grew up idolizing C.J. Mosley. And, um, you know, being from the same area and having those comparisons, uh, Alabama would love to have a guy like that on campus already. So um, they have a number of these guys are, are early enrollees. I think the only ones that aren't are uh, Quandarius Robinson and, and Jackson Bratton. But every – no, Jackson Bratton is. Uh, yeah. So everybody will be on campus early besides Robinson. And getting those young guys in and going through spring practice – uh, will be big because you lose Anthony Jennings, you lose Terrell Lewis. Um, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with Josh McMillan or Dylan Moses. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with the transfer portal because you look at this season, Alabama played two true freshmen um, as they're starting in some linebackers. And should uh, Moses and McMillan not return, the guys behind them could choose to look elsewhere because they don't see playing time written on the wall. So that's something that um, – yeah, Alabama, I think, was 
prioritizing during this cycle was to add linebackers both on the outside and inside. And I think if you look at it just from an entire linebacking core, they probably signed the best group in the country. Pending some decisions by a couple of wide receivers, a couple of three wide receivers that are draft eligible for this Alabama football team. Tyu Jones-Bell coming up from South Florida, keeping that pipeline alive and well. Treshawn Holden coming in from the state of California. Uh, a couple of newcomers there that could uh, provide a, a immediate benefit to Alabama from the early enrollee perspective. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with these receivers because you know a guy like Jerry Judy is going to go to the draft. I mean, he's considered the number one receiver in the country. I think uh, Todd McShay of ESPN had him going number three overall in his first mock draft earlier today. So, uh, you know, that one has kind of seemed like a, a foregone conclusion for a while now. But I think it'll be interesting with Henry Ruggs or Devontae Smith. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have just thought it's going to be this mass exodus from Tuscaloosa, and I'm not saying uh, this is a certainty, but it wouldn't shock me to see one of these receivers come back. So that would be big for Alabama, but you're not going to get all three back, and nobody hold their breath about that. I don't think you're going to get two back, but I think to get one of these guys back would just be huge for next season because that takes a lot of pressure off of Jalen Waddell, who would uh, be the focal point of a lot of secondaries next year, uh, but I think all the help they can get, they will take. Um, you know, guys like... Um, Tyrell Shavers and Xavier Williams haven't really panned out yet. I think they still could. A guy like Slade Bolden has you know, worked his way onto the field and has found inch roles. And a guy like John Metchie, I think they feel really good about. But the you know it, it stops there. So these young guys are going to have an opportunity to come in. And wide receiver is one of those positions where uh, Alabama is not afraid to play freshmen. Uh, some of the best receivers uh, in school history and just this decade have played as true freshmen, guys like Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, uh, and these three guys that are on campus now did so. Jalen Waddle did so a year ago. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see a couple of these guys that are coming in early uh, start to move their way up the pecking order when they get on campus this spring. And, you know, who knows? Alabama, I know, is still working to, to flip or maybe sign some guys that are uncommitted. Uh, Tomorrow, Rakim, it's, it's Rakim Jarrett, <laughs> Rakim yeah. Jarrett. Yeah, exactly. The, I know a lot of period. Yeah, a lot of people are waiting for that, but uh, no doubt that both wide receiver and tight end uh, have been priorities because of what they could potentially lose and what they are lacking at the other position being tight end. Yeah, running back. Uh, excuse me, tight end. One of those positions that may very well carry over into January and up to that February date, pending the decisions of a couple of guys on Wednesday that are high on Alabama's uh, recruiting board at that tight end position. Also running back a place where we see guys come in and play early and pending another decision there with Najee Harris. Uh, that's what made it even more encouraging to see what we've seen from Trey Sanders the last couple of days. But you're going to have Roy Dell Williams coming in early from Hueytown, put up huge numbers there on the high school level, and perhaps another OU flip to go along with Drew Sanders and Jace McClellan out of the state of Texas. Uh, and McClellan, by the way, he too projects as an early enrollee. So that running back position, Charlie, may get an injection of uh, multiple talented players here in the next few days. Yeah, and I think that's needed. Um, you know, everybody was kind of hoping that Trey Sanders would um, – 
one, stay healthy, but be that number three back for Alabama, kind of like it had last year, but he got hurt before the season started. And then they just kind of relied on a two-back system and really just one running back down the stretch because Najee Harris was the workhorse. But I think Najee is a guy that will probably leave. Um, you know, He increased his stock dramatically. And we've seen with running backs, this the, the shelf life and the expected you know draft position is kind of diminished so um that just seems like a like another foregone conclusion that he would be a guy that that is a a three and done player and with that you're going to have an opening and um they already have two running backs signed like you said Rodell Williams will enroll early but you got to think that maybe uh, to make these numbers work uh, another or one of their younger running backs maybe looks to transfer again that's just me spitballing and um you know just looking at the numbers looking at guys that maybe I didn't have the the roles or impact that a lot of people thought, and um, the the fact that they're signing a third or potentially signing a third running back uh, kind of leads you to believe that. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, Alabama's had a loaded running back room before, uh, and I think they could do it again. And you know, that's been one of the thinner positions uh, in, in in recent years, and especially this season. And we so we saw what injuries uh, did to it. So I think they would like to replenish that one. Uh, that uh, position room for sure. Yeah, you got Kyle Edwards coming in, uh, you know, in the summer at that position. But yeah, if you have McClellan and Roydell Williams uh, here in January to go with, you know, the the recovering Trey Sanders, and again, sort of anticipating Najee Harris goes ahead on a heater. Typically, if you're a running back and you're on a heater, you go ahead and make that jump. And uh, that certainly describes Najee Harris here uh, over the last eight weeks or so of the 2019 regular season. What about the Bryce Young experience? Are you ready for that, Charlie? Now, you talk about intrigue quarterback with what Tua may or may not do. You talked about McShay's uh, top 32 list on Tuesday. He had Tua number 12 overall. You know, which is in that top half, in that top 15 that Tua was asked about here recently uh, in that scenario in terms of making his decision with the uh, NFL draft. But uh, you're going to have a, a lot of anticipation regardless with Bryce Young coming in here. No, yeah, he's a he's a player that a lot of people are excited about, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he just put up ridiculous numbers out in California, and – you know, he's – I'm not comparing him to Tua or saying he'll be the next Tua, but um, he just kind of has that ability. And uh, he's a guy that's recruiting hard for Alabama. I know a lot of people are kind of concerned about him recently, but I don't know uh, the validity of that or, or why that's come up. Uh, I think he's pretty solid with his commitment. And uh, he even told uh, Hank South, our recruiting reporter, that – regardless of what Tua decides he's going to sign with Alabama. And if Tua were to come back to school, uh, he would take that as a learning experience to be able to learn under one of the best uh, college quarterbacks in recent years. And so um, I think Alabama's quarterback room is going to be in good shape regardless of what happens. You never want to lose a player like Tua, but I think everybody was anticipating Tua would leave after this year before the injuries. Uh, and I think what we've seen from Mac Jones uh, has to make Alabama fans feel pretty good about the competition moving forward because uh, I know Bryce Young is a player, like I said, everybody's excited about, excited to see in Crimson, excited to see go through spring practice. And, yeah, I think that that battle between uh, those two players and a guy like uh, Talia, uh, that, that'll be really interesting come, um, you know, February, March, April, and then over the summer. 
Yeah, p- pick an area of this football team where moving forward there could be some important attrition. And from an early enrollee perspective, it looks like Alabama has it covered. Quarterback, wide receiver, edge defenders, corner, the secondary in general. Uh, just about just about a guy to cover or guys to cover every area of this team, inside linebacker. So going to be fascinating to watch play out uh, once we get closer to the new year and into the new year with these new faces. It's Tide Talk on a Tuesday night. As we get out of here, Charlie, we got some hoops, man. The Alabama men's basketball team sort of making its annual tour of the the state of Alabama, well, at least from Birmingham North. You're going to have the Birmingham game on Wednesday against a Sanford team that played at Hawaii Sunday night, jumped on a red eye, flew back to Birmingham, got back in, I'm guessing, sometime Monday morning. Now we'll turn around and play Alabama at Legacy Arena on Wednesday night. Alabama in a two-point loss to Penn State over the weekend Saturday up at the Bryce Jordan Center in Happy Valley. Charlie, I I know Nate Oates is competitive and uh, doesn't want to hear it, but I, I really thought that Alabama team played its asses off uh, in that loss and, and had a great opportunity. That's probably what stings the most. That was a great opportunity for a very high-quality win on the road uh, that just got by, just couldn't close out Alabama, couldn't. Uh, they're down the stretch. No, it couldn't, and it, it played well for most of the game. I think it led for more than 24 minutes. Um, you know, they, they didn't turn the ball over as much, which is something that uh, Nate Oates has wanted to see happen. And, you know, that's going to come when you're learning a new system and one that moves as fast as what Nate Oates wants to play with. So uh, to see that number diminish is promising. Um, you know, they just couldn't match up with Penn State late. Uh, Penn State has some really talented bigs, and um, they kind of took over late in the game. At least one of them did. And, uh, you know, you, you see Herbert Jones kind of dealing with a, a little bit of a nagging injury, something, you know, he's, he's been dealing with the elbow. I think he hurt his ankle a little bit. And, uh, for whatever reason, they tried to run the ball through him. And, uh, that kind of stretch kind of turned the tide a little bit, um, you know, pardon the pun, but, um, it, it's a, it's a situation in a game where you knew it was a talented opponent. There's a team that just beat number four, Maryland. And, it's an opportunity where they could have a little bit of a letdown, which they did early on, uh, you know, coming off a big win, but, but Alabama couldn't close it out. And um, it, it's one of those games. You look at that, you look at the, uh, the pin game to open the season. Those are a couple that you'll probably be kicking yourself you know, late in the season. Whenever uh, people are talking about the NCAA tournament, Alabama has those on their resume now. And uh, I think they're in good shape, but you know, they're, they're developing, they're progressing. And, um, Again, it's a it's a team that's just like the football team battling injuries, and you know they're going to have um, three games starting with that Penn State game and an eight day span playing at Sanford uh, on Wednesday and then playing Belmont and Huntsville. So if they can escape this without any further injuries other than what they have and get to Christmas, uh, I think they'll be in good shape come SEC play because they've taken their lumps, they've taken their bumps, they've learned from it. And, um, yeah, I think they'll be in a, a lot better shape uh, come league play. Yeah, and need to really try to take care of business as best they can before the new year and the start of SEC play because uh, they don't exactly ease into the shallow end of the pool. <laughs> Get a road trip no. to Gainesville to, to open SEC play 
in, in one of those arenas. It's been a bit of a house of horrors for Alabama in the past down there at the O'Connell Center. Uh, man, you've got Auburn early in the SEC slate. I think uh, Kentucky early in the SEC slate. Uh, Mississippi State won't be an easy basketball game. SEC shaping up once again to be a tough, tough league. Uh, and Nate Oates looking to navigate that league in his first year on the job at Alabama. That's just about going to do it for this edition of Tide Talk. Anything else, Charlie, before we get out of here? Uh, just probably your usual NFL roundup. I know Kenyon Drake's coming off of a four-touchdown game for the Cardinals, which is really impressive. But uh, just before we started recording this podcast, the Pro Bowlers were announced, and Alabama has Absolutely. seven of those. Um, Julio Jones and Mika Fitzpatrick are starters for the AFC squad. And then the other five players are going to be backups with Derrick Henry, uh, Mark Ingram, Dante Hightower, Marlon Humphrey, and, and Eddie Jackson. So a good group there. And you also have three alternates um, in Landon Collins, Kareem Jackson, and Josh Jacobs. So uh, so much for those Bama bus. Uh, Alabama is really well represented <laughs> on the Pro Bowl rosters. Yeah, yeah, there they are. And how about it for Derrick Henry in a contract year? Oof. Yeah, you talk about a good time to do it. And by the way, Derek, no hometown district, no no home team discount for those Tennessee Titans. Get get full retail, my man. Those uh <laughs> those those second second contracts for running backs are especially important given the shelf life of guys at that position. Uh, not everybody's Frank Gore and playing till they're 68 years old at the running <laughs> back position. So uh, get paid, Derek. While the iron is hot, Charlie, that's going to do it for tonight. As always, appreciate the time. Yeah, man. Always good to catch up. Hey, keep up with us there on the round table at BamaOnline.com. Going to be a busy stretch here with the early signing period getting underway for college football recruiting on Wednesday. Hank South, Tim Watts, going to have you covered from start to finish first thing Wednesday morning, right on through the day into the nighttime hours. We will have a built by Bama online podcast recruiting related with Tim at some point on Wednesday afternoon. So be on the lookout for that, but tons of coverage, both from bowl preparation with Charlie and Kirk McNair and myself. And then again, from the recruiting perspective with uh, Tim and Hank as well. Been a lot of fun. Thank you again for joining us here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. We'll talk to you again real soon.